It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. My guest this week is Amanda Thompson, creator of the popular book and blog, Kiss My Aster. She lives and gardens in Chicago, Illinois, where for more than 20 years, she's been a horticulturist, speaker, consultant, writer, and designer around all things gardening. And she most recently appeared as one of the 40-plus speakers at The Great Grow Along. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to finally meet and chat with you, because your book, <laughs> Kiss My Aster, came out the year before my book, Gardening for Geeks, came out, and you were one of the really early, well-known garden bloggers, uh, which <laughs> I found really inspiring. So how did this all start for you? I started garden blogging Oh, now it's got to be 16 years ago. So, you know, I worked in a garden center and I just wrote for me the amusing things that I found, like my cute stories about what happened to me and during the day or what I learned that day. And I didn't care if anyone was reading it. And I would still say that that is the secret to starting a good blog is to just do it for yourself and then you'll find your people. And then, um, Horticulture Magazine asked me to enter a contest they were having. And I've learned this about being an adult, that when someone asks you to enter something, that means that you're going to win that thing. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. I didn't understand that that's how the world worked. But when someone's like, hey, I really think you should enter this wink, wink contest. Uh, and so I got to work for Horticulture for a few years and from there, I worked, I worked for um, Fine Gardening and Proven Winners and uh, currently write a monthly column for Green Profit Ma Magazine, which is um, for garden centers, independent garden centers. I love that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You should enter yeah, the contest. I, I'm so dense. It, cause, yeah. Cause, <laughs> like, you should really try out for this job, says the people from the job. Well, oh, I wonder if I'll get it. I love that. You will. You will. Yeah. You will. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about writing for yourself. I certainly am probably the most frequent searcher on my own blog because I write down all the stuff I know I don't want to forget. And then I go back yeah. and search and it's there, <laughs> like all the recipes and stuff. Yeah, you're always, you're always not going to be the only one looking for that stuff. It's, there's always a, a big troop of people that are your people that are going to be interested in that. So this is one of those moments where I wish this were a TV show because I want everyone to see your tattoo of Felco pruners on your arm, but I'll have to, I guess I'll have to get a photograph of that for the, for the blog that goes with this. When did you know that you wanted pruners on your arm? Uh, I don't know. It just, I think it, I mean, it sounds like a real, it sounds really hokey if I say it came to be in a dream, but I really, there's... I firstly I feel very strongly about pruning and and I feel like there's a lot of bad maintenance in the world I think people put all their apples in the design cart and they forget about maintenance and maintenance is so important uh, in a garden and pruning is so important in a garden and, and people think that they just have a pair of pruners so that they know what they're doing and, and oh my gosh no you don't nobody does uh you know take a class or something but it's also uh, it has a deeper meaning for me, which is really weird. I've always been a very cheap person. I'm a very, very frugal person. And then I had a job in which they gave me a pair of Felco pruners. And and it was like, oh, this is what it feels like to have the right tools and to be a pro and to do the right thing with the right tool and, and to get a job done well instead of, 
like limping along with a like an eight dollar pair of pruners it was transformational and so immediately the idea for the for the pruner um the flaming pruners came into my mind because it just it's not just uh, that i care about pruning it's like a reminder that sometimes being frugal uh, is, is making my life shorter and less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I tell my students like you can buy a $7 pair of pruners every year for the rest of your life or buy a really nice 50, $60 pair of Felco's or whatever brand you really love. And it will last forever. If you take good care of it, it makes a it's huge difference. It, it, it's a, you know, the, the knowledge that you could easily lop off your own finger is, uh, you know, that gives you some respect for the, for the trade and uh-huh. some awe. Yeah, that's true. I forgot to ask you about your garden. I heard it's a good size. Can you describe it for our listeners and talk a little bit about what you're growing? My yard is pretty big for living just outside of Chicago. And we're on over an acre and I'm trying to do just the, the impossible. And I don't, and I'm alone in the garden, my family is not interested and, and I want to make all these gardens and I just want to conquer everything. And, and I'm in over my head and I just <laughs> keep swimming. And, uh, uh, it's a lot. It, and it's, uh, I'm at the point where, and I think that this was probably always true, but I'm really there now. I work for the garden. The garden doesn't work for me. I'm really <laughs> I'm overcommitted, underfunded, and short on time. And I'm, I just, I'm just out there hustling. It's just one more thing that keeps me off the streets and keeps me from doing the things um, that maybe people my age should be doing. But I love it, and it, it's it's worthy. It's worthy of me. It's worthy of my time. It's worthy of my hustle. And it may not always live. Okay. It never lives up to what my concept is. And I think that's okay. I don't really have an issue with it. Not even, we're not talking anywhere near perfect. Like there's whole gardens that I've just let completely go to weed because I'm, I've moved on to a different project and I don't even really feel bad about that. I have a neighbor who, every time he sees me, he goes, Hey, you guys, okay. Yeah. What is that supposed to mean? Is it because I haven't like weeded that thing in like two years? You know, I'll get there when I get there. It's, um, it's my garden. I paid for this space. I'm going to make it as beautiful or as ugly or as, um, therapeutic or as, uh, healthy for me and healthy for the land that I can. And I'm going to do it on my own timeline and not for my neighbors. I love that philosophy. I also, I feel like the the garden is never done, right? I think most people can agree about that. Uh, I've been, I've lived in this house for 12 years now and we have a fully landscaped plan on paper and marginally implemented, you know, it's just (laughs) life, life gets in the way. Here for, I would say six or seven years and I still didn't know. And I can walk on to any property and I intuitively know exactly what is right. Like I know it's not like I'm a very live and let live person, but I walk onto a property. And I'm like, Oh no, this is exactly what you need. This is what, it, this is how it needs to be. And this is why. And here's, and I have backup reasons for everything. And I walk onto my own property and I'm like, but the, oh. <laughs> right. I, it took so long for me to figure out what it was that I needed and what was right for me. Plus I have a nine-year-old when we moved in here, she was um, not even quite one and I have changed and she has changed. And my family has changed so much in that time 
it has served her in her infancy, in her toddlerhood, in her grade school years. And, and now it's, it's transitioning into serving solely really me and, and, and being a kind of a therapeutic space. That's a perfect segue into my next question, which is your book from 2019 Backyard Adventure, which is a 51 free play activities. It's for kids. It or, is. Or perhaps maybe more accurately how to keep kids busy in the garden while you're in the garden. Right. And that's how it came about. And I didn't know that it was anything special. My, my marvelous editor at Story um, was like, hey, I noticed you're doing all these things. And I was like, I'm not doing anything. So I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to like survive. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, no, the things you do are pretty cool. And they'd make a cool book. And I was like, I don't write books about kids and what things kids should do. And, and she's like, I, I think you, you kind of could. And I was like, well, that would mean it is not a book about gardening. And I only write about gardening. And she's like, but I think, and I was like, oh, well, no. And we went back and forth about it for about a year. Where she's like, I think this would make a great book. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it is a great book. And it's a well-timed book because this book is, um, I think, a pandemic playbook on yep. how kids from um, crawling up your nostril and making a home there. <laughs> so what did you discover while you were writing this book? Uh, I discovered that a six-year-old girl can work for 12 hours on a photo shoot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's my kid, my kid. You know, I don't know. It's it's all kind of harkens back to like a very 70s and 80s childhood. There's a lot of that kind of pulled in there. And then, um, you know, just a philosophy of, of, I think that we so often help our kids when they're really capable of doing things themselves. And the, the weird thing is that even though I've been in gardening since forever, and, and that's really where I make money, a woman saw me on TV talking about my book and hired me to give little class classes for little kids. And I thought she was deranged. Um, I was like, I don't, she's like, you can teach these mom and tot classes. And I was like, listen, lady, I don't really like moms or tots. So, <laughs> so what I really learned from this book is that I do want to be not only like, I love being an ally to moms. I like, I love it. And I didn't think that that was where it was at for me. I lo- I learned how much I love kids. And now I teach these classes every flipping day where, you know, it, it, depending on the kids. I mean, most days I leave there puffed up like a happy balloon filled with serotonin. Um, but you know, on, on the occasional day they grind me down, but, um, it's, it's really, I want to be part of what makes kids lifelong lovers of nature, not just gardening, um, but just being outside because I feel like there's a lot of people who've gotten away from that. Oh, absolutely. Give me one example of some of the things that you do with these kids when you teach. Well, today we, I filled up muffin tins with, um, nine different ingredients. Um, that was, oh, red colored pasta, sand, mud, some rocks, green colored rice, and something else that was weird and colorful, uh, shaving cream. And, and I just let them go. I gave them little pretend sinks and some water to cook with. And I give them pots and pans and their moms are always like, well, what should they do? What should they do? I'm like, they know what to do. (laughs) You go sit down and have a latte, but they, 
you know, often don't, they often don't, but their kids just know what to do. They know what to do. And, and they don't have to say thank you when I give them a, a new squeeze bottle of red water or anything like that. They're in the zone and that zone is precious. And it's a precious lifelong skill to know how to find that zone, to work in that zone and to um, thrive in that zone. It sounds like such a creative experience, well, an experiment in creativity that we adults, I think, lose sight of so often. Very often. Very, it's, and it's, it's sometimes disturbing how much mom wants to get in there too. Um, <laughs> She's pushing her kid aside to have fun herself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so your talk, speaking of creativity, your talk for the Great Grow Along was sharing a lot of interesting design ideas that used rust, balls, twigs, sticks, and even, of course, color because you're a very colorful person, let's put it that way. What are some of your favorite design tricks to utilize when you design a garden? Oh, um, my favorite, favorite, favorite design trick, and mostly uh, I would say a large part of that presentation is about this, is figuring out what your focal point is and then fooling the eye to look where you want it to. So you could have a yard filled with let's just say like maybe um, common plants or inex- you know, you like a, a plants that maybe inexperienced people would choose or something like that. But if you have the focal point that really kind of gets you humming and makes you excited when you come in the driveway, that's where your eye goes and who cares about the rest? It really doesn't matter. It just, it's uh, um, finding focal points that, that pull your eye along and you don't even notice the rest. Like, for example, you have, I believe, in your own yard, you have a mannequin? Yes, a naked mannequin (laughs) uh, that, for a long time, I had these arborvitaes that had, like, a hole burned into them, and the naked mannequin was right in front of the, the, I don't know, I would call it, like, a a scar in the the arborvitaes from when it was too close to a trellis, but nobody ever noticed because there was a naked mannequin there, and she really (laughs) kind of, she kind of, you know, was the elephant in the room. Nice. (laughs) I like using tricks like that. I mean, I, I have, I always wanted to have a column with a sundial on it in my garden. And I finally found one on the side of the road yard sale. And I was, I've been so happy ever since with that. And it doesn't even matter how overgrown or sad my garden's looking. I can look out there and see that column with the sundial. I'm like, yeah, and it's accurate it's accurate right Uh, so with with a sundial you do have to adjust for daylight saving time listeners um you have to shift it by an hour when you know but that's accurate again and it's nice to not have to look at your watch so there's a thing i digress what do you want to explore next what are you dying to to do in in the future well, uh, even though I should just double back and work, I should, last year I said I was going to do a maintenance year and go around and just improve projects I've had in the past. I did not do that. That did not happen. So <laughs> instead of doing that, I'm going to expand my cutting garden so that I can have, I enjoy making bouquets and I can't even always bring them in the house because my cat eats everything, but I enjoy making them and having them and, and just having them at my fingertips to give to friends. And, and when, when, you know, fingers crossed, I'm invited to dinner parties and, and cocktail parties and luau's and backyard cookouts again, that I can bring these beautiful hostess bouquets 
to the people who invite me over. And I, I want that to be my thing. I want people to invite me to their party, knowing that they're going to get this big, beautiful bouquet and not because they're going to ask me on how to prune their hydrangea. Right. No bribery of that sort. No. So <laughs> what, what are your favorite things to put in a cutting garden? Well, uh, first stage is I have a bunch of bulbs in there. So, um, I have tulips, I have daffodils, I have, uh, all kinds of cool spring bulbs that are just, you know, starting to crank right now. And then from there, um, I have a lot of amaranthus and I'm doing safflowers this year, tons of dahlias, tons of cosmos, tons of zinnias, sunflowers for weeks, weeks. Every color sunflower that is actually legit and not a scam on Wish. And um, hmm, what else? I don't know. I really go for it. And then I, I like to do, uh, I do a lot of cinnamon basil. Like nobody needs as much cinnamon basil, but I let it grow nice and tall and then put it in bouquets. And then people are always like, what is that smell? Nice. And I'm like, ha, true, tricked you. It's not even flowers. Awesome. I have to ask you a question. This is, I'm just totally going off script here, but I have to ask you a question about sunflowers because every year I plant packets and packets and packets of sunflowers and they all get nibbled down to nubbins yeah. and I end up with like one sunflower. How yes. do you prevent that from happening? I, I've figured it out. Tell me. Uh, one year I planted 50,000. <laughs> 50,000. 50,000. Okay. And, so, and then I had like 10 that came up. And I let them do their thing, those 10 sunflowers. And then the squirrels have hidden the seeds all over my garden, all mm -hmm. over. So there's there's now, you know, 10,000 sunflower seeds that the squirrels have hidden. And I just let them come up. So now I have sunflowers that they do not come up where I planted them, but they do come up. And I am willing to let go and let them be. So uh, it works. Also... I plant a lot of sorghum, which I also don't know what the heck to do with. Uh, somehow the sorghum throws the sunflower eaters off. What? Huh? I'm going to eat the sorghum instead. Wow. That's a cool trick. Uh, sorghum is one of those things that you can, if you have a press, you can press it for the sugar. Yeah, for, like, like, I, I'm not pressing anything around here. <laughs> Let me just tell you. I'm not pressing anything, but I want to grow it. I think it's sorghum is cool. It looks really impressive. I also, I feel like it's taken the pressure off my sunflowers and also off my corn. I love that. I might try that sunflowers and sorghum together and see if my squirrels respond the same way as yours, but that 50,000. Okay. I'm up in my game. Dang yeah. it. All right. Uh, well, it is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the garden nerd audience? Yeah. You should grow sorghum to keep <laughs> and the corn. No, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really, I, I'm, I'm at more of an emotional level. I would hope that people can stand back in their garden, take a deep breath and make sure that what they're doing is for their own well-being, their own function, their own, um, their own good instead of what is expected of them, what the neighbors want them to do, uh, what, you know, society expects. I, I think the best book on home landscaping ever made is the orange splot by daniel pinkwater it is a children's book it is very short it is about a neighborhood it is a neat street 
and the neighbors want to keep it neat. And uh, Mr. Plumbean, he, de- he decides that his home is me and I am my home and I'm going to make it who I am. And that is truly where a lot of joy is waiting for us. That is fantastic advice. I think too many of us get caught up in how it's supposed to look and stop enjoying the process. So thank right. you. And I'm not going to start with like, hey, it's capitalism and gardening, but it is. It's like, <laughs> yeah. once you separate what is good for you, good for the earth and good for, you know, big box stores, it, it gets a little easier. Right. Yeah. Lose the lawn, as we say out here. And it's just like, what's just what's good for you and not, you know, not necessarily impulse purchases made at uh, an after dinner run for trash bags. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) We've all done it. It's true. I've impulse bought a couple of things. I'm usually pretty good about making sure I have a space for it first, but occasionally, well, for example, I brought home, I started a bunch of tomato seeds None of them came up. I reseeded. None of them came up. So I went to Tomato Mania and bought 10 tomatoes. And then every single one of them in my under my grow lights sprouted. So now I have 37, 10, 10 more tomatoes than I needed. And I'm going to have to find a place for them or give them away. So there's that here, generosity option. Here in the Chicagoland area, it is a tradition that uh, you, you end up going to the big box store and you buy a big blue hydrangea put it in the ground and it never blooms again. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you they're preyed upon. It's such a great feeling to buy that big blue hydrangea and you feel, oh, well, this is what I really needed and, and it's going to make me feel better and I'm going to be a better person and my neighbors are going to see. It, we're selling a dream, you know, it's it's all, uh, it, and, and it's so, people take it so personally when it doesn't go their way, but it, it never, they never stood a chance. Yeah. I have another, uh, uh, another friend who says that about the, the native plant, woolly blue curls. It looks gorgeous. Everyone buys it, puts it in and then, then it dies. So it's just a yeah. thing we do every year. <laughs> yeah. It, it, right. It's a, it's a history. Yes. Well, thank you so much for all of your expert tips, Amanda, and for being a guest on the Gardener Tip of the Week podcast. Thanks for having me. How do people find you? Uh, my mm, kind of dusty blog is kissmyaster.com. I'm kissmyaster on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, TikTok, all right, you're on there. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm an old lady on TikTok, but I'm trying on Twitter and then on Facebook as kissmyaster. Got it. Excellent. All right, Garden Nerds, you'll find links to Kiss My Aster on GardenNerd.com this week. We'll post links to Amanda's books and social media feeds, including TikTok, and that picture of her fabulous flaming Felco pruner tattoo. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on GardenNerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our GardenNerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!